I'm generally supervised in here whenever they try to set this up. And Maisie, who's our uh, marketing coordinator, came in here with a Don and some of the marketing team. So they, they own this podcast, I like gotcha. the stuff. And I'm just like the talent who shows up. And I'm just like, <laughs> what am I allowed to touch? Yeah, and that's yeah. a perfect example of what I don't know how to touch. Exactly. We, we don't know what we just recorded over. Yeah, it can't be that important. I hope, <laughs> hopefully, though, it's not like this week's. So we, yeah, we, these come out every week. So in the room with me, we have Stephen Lee from Dufresne Watches. Anyone who's seen me on the conference circuit in the last probably year, year and a half, if you've noticed the watch I've been wearing, it has been a Dufresne. I am kind of, it's, it's a little bit different because generally I was, I was telling Stephen that we interview our merchants. I'm actually Stephen's merchant, so it's a little <laughs> bit different, but thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, really, really excited. Really, you know, really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you. So this is going to be, you know, Stephen has a fantastic watch company, so we want to talk about that, how he got started there, but kind of want to take it back, you know, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, in terms of the kind of the watch question part of that, I'm just a huge watch fan, Yeah. right? So I've had a couple of different careers in my life. Ever since I was a kid, I was just a watch fanatic. Mm-hmm. Bought my first watch. I think I still have it, actually. I think I was probably eight or 10 years old. What was it? It's a little uh, digital pulsar. It's this crazy little puck. It's red with like bright, shiny silver. Mm-hmm. It's something exactly an eight-year-old would want to buy. 100%. But it started me down a journey of just constantly infatuated with watches. And I don't exactly know where it came from. I have a, a sneaking suspicion, but it's been so long and grand. I just have, I just, just there. liked it. Yeah. So I've been a fan for a long time. I've been a collector for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I started actually just kind of drawing out different design ideas. Of things that you thought like, this is what the market's missing or like, this is what yeah, I wish a watch this, would look yeah, like. Exactly. Like, I love the way that that, the, the lugs look on this. I wonder mm-hmm. what if it, I could take that dial idea and put with that lug idea and put with that color scheme and like just purely out of just passion and just starting, you know, my own little, little book of, of ideas. And as I mentioned, I've had a couple of different careers in my life. I started off as a pilot and then I went, got into, you know, really enterprise software sales. That was the one thing that surprised me the most. I was like, I didn't even realize you were a tech SaaS guy too. I was like, <laughs> we speak like both of the same language, I, both like watches and we can both talk about this. It, you'd be surprised what the industry, yeah, or, but, but you know, people who are, who are watch fans that, yeah, they, they span all industries, but oh, a lot, yeah. a lot of, uh, I belong to some watch groups and a lot of the guys in those groups are, are tech guys, believe it or not. Yeah. No, I, I go into meetings sometimes and I'm always like, what kind of watch do you have? Cause yeah. you can tell another watch guy because you can tell from like the band or the face you're like that looks like a nice watch that's right and then you kind of look at it and you start talking about watches and you're like all right cool and what's interesting about that is especially you 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 know one would think that you know high-tech guys want the latest and greatest digital thing Mm -hmm. right and by and large they don't yeah they they love that that appreciation of that the the characteristics of mechanical pieces and and i think it's a i think it's a really cool a really cool combination such a precision driven thing. Like my background's in engineering. So I did manufacturing engineering. So for me, it like stimulates this part of my brain where it's like, oh, I, this is, it reminds me of like what I studied and what I don't do. Yeah. And so for me, like that was always what it was. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. I remember the, the first watch that I got was a, it was a Casio that I got. My dad was in the service. Sure. And it was the one that they sold it. They sold it the PX. And I was like, dad, I really want to get a watch. I really want to get a watch. I want to learn to read military time. So I want the digital one. Yeah. 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 Cause it would say like, you know, 1300. And I was like, dad, there's noon yeah. and there's one. What does 1300 mean? And I remember it was like a tool to shut me up and to like teach me that. So like, yeah. that was like the first one that I had. Yeah. I don't know whatever happened to that, but like that was, that was like a momentous occasion. Yeah. To me. Oh yeah. You remember it now. Yeah, exactly. And I was day. telling you before, like yeah. I was interrogating Stephen about the next watch he was going to do. And I was telling him my grandpa had a day date watch, which says like the day of the week and the date of the month on it. And that to me is still just like this holy grail yeah. thing where it's like, 
that is that is like the watch. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like the, the Rolex presidential or anything like that. It's just something simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. says that. Yeah, it brings you back. Just to kind of finish that idea real quick. What really got me going into Dufresne was literally sitting on another web meeting conference call. Mm -hmm. um, this was, you know, several years ago. I started the brand in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting on this conference call, literally bored out of my mind. Just as it happens. Yeah, just kicked off the call and was very disinterested in the in the particular position I was in at that point. And I said, man, I'm going to start a watch brand. And literally on that call, I was using, you know, my computer to browse about how would I start a watch brand? And it started, you know, literally on that uh, that day. And, you know, I built a bunch of different ideas behind it, but I, I immediately had the name. So Where does the name come from? Yeah. So again, being a, you know, a kid and, and always being enthralled with watches, my mom, she never made fun of it. She teased about it, but she never made fun of it. She always thought it was really interesting. And she would, you know, even mention, you're going to be one of those guys in New York. What kind of watch you want a gold one? <laughs> and her maiden name is Dufresne. Ah, okay. So it's actually an homage to just, yeah, her, 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 you know, kind of support that whole time. You know, that's a, that's a, a great maiden name. Yeah. It's a very powerful name. Yeah, it's it, so it's French, and my French ancestors actually immigrated to uh, Canada. Okay, and they changed the spelling, mm. so it was the traditional Dufresne that you would think of in French spelling. Andy Dufresne, I get a lot yeah, from yeah. <laughs> from Shawshank, but they changed the name like a lot of immigrants did, I think, at the time to mm -hmm. make it uh, simpler for for Americans. To my pronounce. my grandpa is from Canada, okay. and his family moved from France, and it's Saint Ange. And it was Saint-Ange, and yeah. now it's just S-T period dot O-N-G-E <laughs> is how they spelled it because it was just like this butchering when he moved yeah. to America and was like, we just can't deal with you this. You can't, yeah. And when you're in Canada, people speak French and it makes sense. But as soon as he moved to America, he was like, we're going to shorten this yeah. and we're going to make the, you guys American. That's and right. like switched it that way. I know. It's funny. It's funny how that happens because I, I think it's, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of names were changed that way. I would love to see what the world looked like with names, like their actual names. Yeah. So, so from, so from the idea being in your head from that meeting to how long was it till you had your first prototype? So, yeah, I started, I founded the company in February of, of 16 mm -hmm. and December of that year, late December, early January 17, the first piece came out, the Bergstrom. Mm -hmm. I actually started with two designs. Okay. The Barton Springs mm -hmm. and the Bergstrom. And both of them are these kind of tooly watch, kind of traditional vintage inspired type watches. The diver piece, um, I opted to hold off on because I wasn't quite as happy with the design that I had come up with. Mm -hmm. And so I launched with a Bergstrom and I still have a few of those pieces uh, available, but it's a very traditional, like literally you manually have to wind it. Love it. It's not an automatic. It's an Love exposed it. case back. You get to see the movement. So it's a really, really classic and traditional piece, but it also caters to a very specific audience. There's a lot of people that want a watch that you don't ever have to wind automatic. So I knew it was going to be a very limited scope of people that would be interested. Yeah, I was, it was funny. I was talking to earlier when I was telling the team, I was like, oh yeah, so there's someone coming in the podcast. There, he's a watch manufacturer. He's someone who I have one of his watches. And someone on our marketing team was like, is that the watch that was broken? I was like, what do you mean the watch that was broken? She goes, yeah, like one day I picked it up and it wasn't moving. And I was like, <laughs> so there's like three major kinds of watches. Yeah, I was telling yeah, her about yeah. it. And she was like, just get one with a battery. Exactly. I was like, you just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a big chasm there, right there. But, um, people that like the design and mm -hmm. the look of a watch and then understanding the, the kind of the innards, the mechanics of it. And I've had quite a few customers who have bought the watch and have said, there's something wrong. It doesn't work. 
and we know exactly where to start. You're like, have you, have you tried winding it? Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh. What's okay. that noise? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is it clicking like that? Is this going to go off on my wrist? Exactly. So, so one of the things, there's a couple of things I want to get into. The first thing is, is the naming of these. So mm-hmm. people who are listening to this who aren't from Austin, they sound like names. But to me, you were talking about the airport. We're talking about this. Yeah. Does that have any sort of ties to like your pilot time or? So that, yeah, the idea of the brand was that I wanted to, so I moved to Austin about 20, 21 or 22 years ago. Where from? From Chicago. Oh, nice. From Illinois. Yeah. Okay. So mid Midwest. Are you a Bears fan then? No. Packers. Oh, Packers. I'm a Vikings fan. Oh, oh my God! We gotta turn this off. There's our first difference. We we gotta turn. Yeah, that's the first one. I I think there's enough in common. We should be able to. Yeah, we'll be all right. We're just gonna stop talking. Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting story why I'm a Packers fan, but we'll save that for a different. Yeah, there we go. Cast. But uh, so I moved here, and I moved here because my dad went through the service with a couple of well, several people obviously, but a couple of buddies he stayed close with. Mm -hmm. One guy lived in Denver, and one guy lived here in Austin. So growing up throughout the 70s and 80s as a kid i always we always came down to austin we did a little routine we went to colorado and then later in the summer we'd go to austin so i've been coming to austin since the the late 70s early 80s and i knew i wanted to move here because i just loved what i saw when Mm -hmm. i got here and uh, one day in chicago after about a three and a half hour commute home to get 12 miles i said that's it that'll do it that's it and i had already had a a, literally a map of austin on the wall Mm -hmm. in my apartment back in chicago because I just knew it one day I wanted to, I wanted to live there. So the brand, uh, you know, really is, you know, representative of Austin to me. So each of the pieces are named after either a, an Austin specific landmark, such as the Barton Springs, which is a spring fed, you know, a swimming area, the Bergstrom, which is the airport, um, the city limits, which is a music venue, right? The one I got on my wrist. That's right. And there's, a, there's I'll talk about it a little bit later. There's a, another one uh, slated for later this year. There we go. That's the one I'm excited to hear about. <laughs> so so you, get, you had it going. You had it by December. How did you decide where you were going to sell these? Like what, what, what went through your mind around that? Yeah. So, you know, during all of that research and again, being a collector of watches, I know how much expensive watches cost. Mm-hmm. Well, I know how much they charge. Yeah, you know how much you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> right, right. But I, I also started to understand how much they cost. And there was a, there's a massive difference. And I understand, and I have huge respect for the brands that are out there today. That there's a lot of money that needs to be spent on marketing activities and, and storefronts and retailers and all of these different aspects to their, to their business. I thought I could cut out a lot of that and a lot of the kind of the micro brand space, which, which is where I'm at, is a part of that same concept. Like we can cut out a lot of that cost structure for the customer by going direct online. And so I had always had the idea of having the model be a direct e-com play. That's awesome. And it's, it's pretty interesting, even 2016, because I feel like the direct, the D2C is, a, is the new hotness. It's kind of, it wasn't really on the forefront at that time. Yeah, there, there were a couple of, of kind of outlets, if you will, mm-hmm. that, that were, you know, relatively large, especially in kind of the watch space. Oh, the name is escaping me. The platform that a lot of micro brands launch on. Hmm. Uh, but, but nonetheless... Kickstarter? The, yeah. Kick, yeah, I see, I've yeah. seen a lot of them on Kickstarter. I, I always kind of follow them every, and every blue moon, I'll go to Kickstarter to see what people are up to. Yeah. There's some really interesting ideas that, that come out yeah, of Yeah, there are, there are. And that, that, that was a big, big... And I, so that was available when mm-hmm. I launched, but... I started to see kind of a trend that was going on at Kickstarter at the time, which was a lot of just very, there are interesting designs, but then there are also some that are just very cheaply made quartz, like look kind of cool, probably will last a year or two. And to me, it was starting to kind of devalue 
some of the watch brands a little mm-hmm. bit. Like if you're on Kickstarter, oh, you're going to start getting lumped in with a lot of these other like Alibaba sourced watches and things like that. And nothing wrong with that. I just didn't want the brand to specifically represent that. So I opted to not do any kind of a, you know, GoFundMe or Kickstarter, get money first and then build the piece. I actually invested my money in, in building, designing and, and, you know, actually producing the pieces up front. That's, yeah, I think it's a much more novel way. Is, was there at one point in your life where you thought, shit, I have whatever, 200 manually on watches that look exactly the same. Am I ever going to sell these? Oh, look, every day. <laughs> yeah, okay, I that's mean, fair. You know, it's, it's so, you know, I'm on the kind of a long play, you know, journey with Dufresne. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm in it because of my passion for watches. I, I have a day job that allows me to, to support this. But I don't, I don't want to be tied to, okay, I produced you know, the first model I produced X number of pieces Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to do any innovation until I sell all all of those. I didn't want to be tied to that type of a model. Yeah. So I'm willing to continue to invest in the brand to continue to show additional pieces that everybody has their own flavor, right? Oh yeah. Some people love a GMT. Some people Mm -hmm. don't. Some people love, you know, a manual wine. Some people don't. So I wanted to offer a good variety of different pieces and doing that over the course of, you know, several years. So I wasn't, believe you me, I, I want, you know, the business to make money for oh, yeah. sure, but I'm more tied to the actual brand building. Love it. I want, and I think that's the thing that, that ultimately drew, drew me to purchasing one is that like, I feel like the way that you convey this story, but to take it, put a pin, in, put a pin in that because this kind of ties into the first question is how did you land on your e-commerce platform? Cause as much as I'd love to talk about watches, we'll bring yeah. it back to like the yeah, store yeah. overall. Cause I'm kind of curious on that. So meaning how I chose the... Mm-hmm. How you okay. chose Shopify as like your engine for your... So Shopify is the latest. It didn't start there. Yeah, that's what I, I was I was wondering that. What, so how did you... So what did you put it on first? You throw it on just like a WordPress site? I or tell me it, about that. I had it on GoDaddy. Okay. And that was horrific. Again, probably partly because of what I was trying to do as a one-man shop, if you will, doing mm-hmm. it all myself. And I very quickly realized that the, 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 the platform wasn't really... A, conducive for what I wanted the, the website to look. Mm-hmm. So I moved it to Wix. And then Wix gave me some WYSIWYGs that allowed me to be a little bit more, you know, design friendly and make the, make the, you know, the site look a little bit more what I was trying to drive the, the brand to look like. Mm-hmm. Well, then I started to come up with additional pieces and there needed to be variations and different options available. Catalogs. Exactly. And so I started to kind of outgrow Wix as a tool. And so then I looked at kind of the typical e-com players right now, which is Shopify, BigCommerce, and, you know, among others. Mm-hmm. I chose BigCommerce at that time okay. because they're an Austin-based company. Yeah. I wanted to kind of support the yeah, Austin. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're good partners of ours. Shout yeah, out BigCommerce. absolutely. And at that time, then I started actually doing some outsourcing of kind of marketing people mm-hmm. and content people to help. You know, if you were to see the the website today and the feel and energy you get from looking at the website today versus two years ago, it looks like a totally different. Oh, I bet. I mean, yeah. that's what you want though. You exactly. want that I wanted it to evolve and oh, I yeah. needed some help. And so when I started bringing these resources in, there was a kind of a, a unilateral, you know, like marching order of like, when are you going to move this to Shopify, Steve? Oh, really? When are you going to move? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I really like big commerce guys. They're here in Austin. I like supporting them. But folks that I, that I've been working with, they were just for whatever reason, much more familiar with Shopify. There was no learning curve for them it was easy for them to do a lot of the things that, that we wanted to do with, mm-hmm. with how we would structure the, the website. So we moved over in 
call it August timeframe of last year. Oh, nice. Okay. So, pretty, so it's relative. yeah, relatively recent. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Shopify is such a, I mean, I'm wearing a Shopify sweater right yeah. now. I mean, they have such a good company culture and I think that, I think that they're very value driven as well. I do too. I've, I've been, I, I could say nothing but great things about them. It's interesting for me, like how people kind of graduate up to where they get to, because it's like that story of like that yeah. is I think what's most interesting. Yeah. We don't do a whole lot of like, I guess, you know, integrations and so forth, but there's so many apps available on Shopify. It just made it so much easier to say, okay, how do we want to get reviews? Okay. How do we want to ping people about, you know, writing a review? Like mm-hmm. there's just so many different tools available in that Shopify kind of ecosystem. Do you have any like go-to tools that you could not run to frame without? You mean the apps that, that we're using? Either apps or, just, or like native things in Shopify that make it just to make your life. So I'd started off adding a bunch of apps and we've actually started, fill, you know, kind of pulling back on that and relying more on the theme that we selected. Mm-hmm. And so the way that the, the site exists today is actually with exception of Yachtpo reviews, mm-hmm. it's a pretty theme and Yacht Shopify only kind of combination really? right now. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I, I mean, I go on your site and I look at like watches and I actually was talking. So we have our, uh, one of our designers, he's a huge watch guy as well. And he's coming down for South by, but he was talking about the Barton bands and oh, he was yeah. like, he was like, how did you, he's like, where'd you get your band? I was like, Oh, I got it from this website. And so I go on your site every once in a while to see like what's new. And like, you have the, the journal section. But I remember like going and looking for these bands and him being like, they're not on the site. How did you get these? And I was like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. Yeah. That was, so those, those, yeah, the folks at Barton Watch Bands, again, I, I like to source as much locally as mm-hmm. I can. There's a, yeah, a company here in town called Barton Watch Bands. People across the watch community are very familiar with Barton Watch Bands. They just didn't know that they're based here in Austin. Yeah, I never realized they were either. And it was funny because it said Barton. And then when exactly. we met up, I was like, the dots joined us. Like, yeah. Shit, I'd yeah. never, because I've like ordered them on, I think on Amazon. Amazon. I got like a, yeah, I got like That's a NATO really, strap really off. Of them. Yeah, I got a NATO strap off there and I put it on a different watch I have. And I was like, man, these are great. And I saw this and I was like, shit. I yeah, no, they're, they're a great partner of mine. The Barton Springs comes with a Barton band. The City Limits comes with a Barton band. So they, they actually sell those uh, separately. And I've chosen not to, you know, play too much in the accessory space and keep it most about watches. But I'm starting to, Take a look for it. So one of the things I find interesting is that it is a higher dollar value item. We're mm-hmm. selling automatic watches. We're selling winding watches. We're not selling the quartz. How do you convey the quality on the website? Because you said you're, you've kind of paired back from apps. Like what is, don't give me the whole secret sauce, yeah. but like, what, like walk me through how do you do some of that? I think, you know, picture's worth a thousand words, mm-hmm. right? And, and if a picture's worth a thousand words, then video must be worth 10,000 words. And I think one of the things that's been great again about Shopify is that it's very easy for my marketing guy to, to incorporate the kind of look and feel of the brand that we want in a very effective way on, you know, the, the theme that we've chosen on Shopify. So we can, so if you go through the site, you can see a bunch of different static, you know, stage kind of lifestyle photos, but then intertwined throughout all of the different pages, we've got video running. So it gives you it's 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 setting is meant to kind of exude the feeling i want people to feel when they put on a dufresne that it's a classic piece it's a traditional piece you know it's it's around having you know a sip of bourbon with a friend and and you know kind of these muted tones and so forth and so i'm finally at a point where i feel like if you go to my site you kind of get the look and feel and the energy of what of what i'm wanting uh, you know dufresne to, to uh, portray as someone who's met you in person i think you've kind of made that because I, I think that was one of the things that I struggled with so at the time this was the most expensive watch i'd ever bought sure and i i like vintage as well but sometimes you buy vintage that's not as expensive like yeah. so there's it but i remember being like man do i really want to spend 
fifteen hundred bucks on well, this. Well, I'm watch. glad you did. Oh, I'm I'm so <laughs> glad I did too. I mean, it's my, I'm telling you, this is my watch. I bring everywhere. Like I I I bought like a little travel thing for it because if yeah. I wear two, because sometimes I have to go to like a meeting or wear a good dress watch. But I'm like, this is coming with me. Yeah. But I remember being like, looking at the site and being like, man, I don't know, because I'm I'm a skeptic at heart. Sure. And I remember I've no, looked I at yeah. and I've looked at and I ordered fluid watches i don't remember them they're a watch company in the u.s but i remember i ordered a couple watches from this is i don't know i think it was not high school or college so this was like 2009 2010 somewhere around there and it just didn't feel right and that was my experience with buying a watch online that just didn't feel right everything else that i bought i'd found at like thrift shops or found in like marketplace and i met and i just was like if i can hold this watch and it just feels heavy is all i thought to myself if it feels heavy then i know it's like legit and i remember getting it and being like okay this is heavy well, and so that's a, that's a good point. So one of the challenges, if you will, about an, you know kind of an e-com only play mm-hmm. is th- these are expensive pieces for, mm-hmm. for most people, right? And to your point, do you want to shell out $1,500, $1,200 on something you haven't even seen yet? Now I have a seven-day return, all these kinds of things. Yeah, you, yeah exactly. Good. But that's one of the big challenges, if you will, of not having you know an actual retail presence. And I try to bridge that, and I've got some ideas that, that we're working on to make it a little bit more effective, but I'm here in Austin and I meet people and we met at mm-hmm. coffee shops all over town all the time. And that's a very effective way to kind of build a, a little bit of a relationship, but also I totally understand. I would want to hold it as well, feel it, see what it looks like. And it's just hard to do that as much as we try to capture that through either static or video on the site. It's just kind of hard to do that until you, you know, you actually get to sit down with someone. So. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I try to do is bridge that gap between not having a retail location that I could send you to in Chicago and the mall. And, and have you ever thought about doing that? Well, I have, but I built the model to not necessarily support mm-hmm. that, meaning I would have to increase the prices. Yeah, cause, cause because you're, they yeah, may, you cut I, them out. You don't want to bring right. them back in. That's right. That's right. So yeah. it's, it's something that I, I'm desperately trying to not do because I just want to maintain a, a good price point for you know, people that want to buy the piece. But I'm trying to figure out the best way by which you go about, you know, getting the watch in people's hands. And there's there's a bunch of different strategies to mm-hmm. that. But I don't I don't want you to tell them on here. I don't want it, I don't want any <laughs> of the other micro brands to listen and be like, we're going to do exactly what Dufresne's <laughs> up to. Oh. Um, so one of the things that I'm really curious about is, you know, how long did it take you from the idea rolling around in the back of your head to, let's say, for example, the GMT, mm-hmm. the, the one I'm wearing? How yep. long did it take you to say? Did you go to Austin City Limits and hear a band and you're like, man, this is what I want to do? Like, walk me through like how you got to this because it's a gorgeous watch we're gonna this is gonna be one of the podcasts we're gonna have like like we're gonna like be linking to your website and like photos of this watch and being like this is what we're talking about this is why we're spending you know 40 minutes talking about a watch no i mean so all of these designs are a little bit different so i'll I'll give you a couple examples when i mentioned i started off with two designs the barton springs Mm -hmm. and the and the bergstrom the Barton Springs that is that exists today is massively different than what it started out with I actually should have brought it just to show you what the prototype looked like. It looks, it's, it's smaller. It looks nothing like this. Really? So those ideas that kind of noodle, I noodle around with and come up with and start sketching out and figuring out how, how I could portray what I want this kind of piece to represent based on the, again, the area of town or the historical person or whatever it is. It's definitely a process. It doesn't just snap. I come up with an idea. The city limits was always an idea I had. At, at the beginning as well of like, I want to do something around a music theme watch. I don't know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. but it took me probably a year to kind of put together the idea of, 
I want a music themed watch. Musicians are constantly traveling. I think it's a great idea to tie in this concept of keeping tabs at home, a dual time, you know, a, mm-hmm. a GMT, a two time zone. But I want the watch to not be so uh, crazy that it looks like, a, you know, a, an outline of a, of a guitar or anything. Yeah. yeah. But what I, what I settled on was what if I did the dial in a way that looked like a record pattern, right? And it's subtle, but it, the light captures it the right oh, way. Yeah. You can kind of see it. Staring at my watch right now <laughs> as he's talking about. And so there's just a bunch of different things that I have to kind of work through and, and kind of, you know, iterate through to come up with kind of the final design. So in long, to answer your question, it took about from, you know, pencil to paper to actual production piece about 15 months or so for that piece. Well, it was worth all the time. Do you, so how do you do prototyping? Do you do like CAD and send it off or so I, I actually, yeah, I have a partner I work with that I come up with the designs and then we sit down and go, and I'm going through this right now for this, this piece that's coming, but we go through different rendering designs and it's as, as minute as, mm, I think that that minute hands about a millimeter too long. It doesn't quite look right. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a rendering process that's a lot easier to do in CAD than it is, you know, then, then you settle, right? Then you finalize what the design is and then there's a, a full tech spec that gets drawn up and, and then a prototype comes out a couple months later. And like the one I'm wearing is I don't wear really any production pieces. I only wear my prototypes and there's just certain differences and nuances that you go through even when you get the prototype. And you know, I'll just show you an example. I know folks can't see it, but on the case back on this one, there's uh-huh. not a notch. Mm, if you look yeah. at yours, there's a notch. Yeah. And that's a thing that you, that you find out during the prototype hmm. phase is uh, okay, it looks really good, but there's a couple of tweaks we can make. So you don't make those mistakes in a production run. There. Got it. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And it's, it's good to kind of, you know, it helps kind of spark the juice of being like, yeah, I had it like this for a reason. And that's it kind right. Of, it kind of keeps you on that like that. That's right. That's, that's so cool. So one of the things that I remember that really drew me in, I think I talked to you about this, was that whenever I was looking to get a watch, I wanted to get something that, you know, like Swiss made, everyone talks about Swiss made, Swiss mm-hmm. movement, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to get something that was like encompassing like what I was about and like what I like. And that's what's great about watches. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. And I remember looking at this and I was like, and I, I like, uh, I like Shinola. They're mm-hmm. a Ship Ritchie customer. Yep. They're really yep. cool guys. Um, yep. I like, I have a Filson Scout that I wear all the time. Yep. So I had, and I remember looking at it and I, remember, and I found this forum that was talking about Aust- or sorry, US based watch companies. And there's a lot of micro brands. There's like the ones up in Chicago. There's a few of them. Uh, it starts with a V. I can't remember the name of it. No free ads for them, though. Um, this is a Dufresne <laughs> podcast. We're, this is a pro Dufresne. Oh, we're all room. part of the same community. No, I, I love kidding. them all. Yeah, no, but uh, I remember looking at it and finding this, and then it was like, you know, it's company Dufresne, and it, you know, it was U.S. designed. And then I think the cases are made in Ohio, I think. So, yeah, I, I think it, there, there's a lot of different things about, yeah, what, what triggers for some people. Mm-hmm. Some people, they want Swiss made. Mm-hmm. Well, my pieces aren't made in Switzerland, but I do use Swiss movements. So I have relationships with the Swiss manufacturer, the, the movement manufacturer, Salita is the one that's in that watch and this watch. It's a different one in the, in the Bergstrom, but you know, different manufacturers for the movements to me, that's, that's the, a big part of what I want to carry through is that I want the movement to be quality. And I, I honestly, it's not that Swiss is better than Japanese, um, or German or any other kind of manufacturer, but or American, there are a couple of, of American made mm-hmm. movements now, mechanical. But there just seems to be this adage of- There's a comfort there. Swiss made, man, yeah, I know a it's comfort. gonna be yeah, solid, yeah. right. And beyond that, you can take that piece to any watch uh, maker and they can service it. 
and every watch will need to be serviced every five, seven years or so, just, just like an oil change in a car. You just got to maintain it. But I think that there's just a persona that people carry that if it's, if there's, if it's Swiss made or Swiss components or Swiss engineered or Swiss, 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 it's a good engine in there. That's right. Then, then it, it makes people feel a lot more comfortable, but th- this is a global product. So, I mean, the crystal is Swiss, the movement is Swiss. The case is actually manufactured just like most watch brands in China. Hmm, okay. All of the final assembly though is done in Ohio. That's right. That's right. Okay. So that, that partner that I used to help me with the renderings mm-hmm. and so forth, um, he actually, him and his company actually do all of the final assembly, timing, testing, tuning, and all of that kind of stuff. That's, I, I think that's awesome. Cause, but then the, the fun thing about that is because it's such a global product is that at the end of it, it just oozes Austin. Yeah. It's, this is the most Austin thing I own. I think like, it's just, <laughs> oh, that's great. I look at it and like when I'm, cause I sometimes like I was, when I was talking about going to India, I was gone for like a month and a half and total with other work stuff. But like, I have my watch, I look at it. I look, oh, I recognize yeah, yeah, the yeah. font. It's my little piece of Austin that I take with me when I that's travel. Great. So that to me, and you know, knowing what time it is in those places, like it, you know, it, that's the cool thing about it is like, there's all of this, all this crazy work, but for an Austinite like me, I'm like, this is my Austin. That's watch. great. No, that that does it, I, that, and that's exactly what I want. I want people to, you know, whatever it means to you, I want it to mean that to you. Whatever exactly. that is, and I, and I love that that it ties in that Austin feeling. I have like three other questions, and then I'll I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. One of the things I'm curious about is what social media facets do you use the most? Do you do sponsored ads, and what's like the best ROI for you guys? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, and it it's an answer I've been chasing for a long time. Mm. So. By and large, Instagram, especially in the watch community, is the probably most usable social media outlet. Since it's a photography-based, a picture image-based you know, channel, watches do really well on mm-hmm. there, showcasing watches. I'm on all of the channels social, you know, from a social perspective, Twitter. Not a whole lot of activity on Twitter for yeah. the watch community. Facebook, of course, and, and Instagram. Yes, I do actually do have, you know, sponsored ad campaigns on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, it's interesting. I found a lot of effective kind of virality through different sponsored stories in like, you know, kind of guy gear type magazines, mm, okay. you know, publications, really, yeah. not magazines. But I haven't found the exact science to it yet. But the you know, the exposure through social media channels is absolutely paramount. I mean, that's just where everybody's spending their time scrolling through and defining that audience and locating that audience and then trying to serve them with, you know, an, an image or an ad, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that resonates with them. That's, you know, that's where we're driving traffic. Absolutely. And what about, have you thought about doing like, cause we were talking before about like YouTube and how yeah. like your wife watches Ellen and yeah. you yeah. watch the, the same watch videos I watch. <laughs> have you thought about doing like a Dufresne channel or do you have one? So or? we have the starting of one. Yeah. Oh, that, nice. That's, okay. And you know, there's a couple other things that, that I'd love to do as well. Like podcasts like this are mm-hmm. a great way to reach people and have a conversation and talk about different aspects. You can, you can use this. We, we'll, <laughs> I'll, we'll do a side watch one. I'll just, I'll, I'll just hang out. I just want to listen to you talk about watches. We'll be good. Glad, glad to do it. Glad to do it. But yeah, so I do have some, uh, some content on YouTube, mm-hmm. but nowhere near where it needs to be. It's, it's definitely an evolving strategy. That's awesome. I, the, the, the best thing is I love is that like, like, it's like still the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And there's oh, so yeah. much work and that's the thing. It's so cool. And one of the things on the tip of the iceberg is project grow. So I saw that mm. was kind of a newer thing. I wanted to kind of hear what got you involved in that and what is it? Yeah. So I, I've always wanted to tie in some philanthropic, you know, angle to the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was originally trying to figure out or decide on some sort of an Austin, like a local Austin way to donate money to some sort of local Austin charity or mm-hmm. some, some movement like that. 
over the last year, though, with all of the different things that have happened from the fires in Australia, from just, you know, reports on on just just different deforestation programs and things like that. I just really kind of settled on and, and I just from a personal perspective, I went vegan about three years ago and I now drive an electric car. I saw that. And, and I'm not trying to promote anything in any way, but yeah. I, I also have a gas guzzling car for my for my fun car. So, there you, go. you know, I I'm, I'm trying to give back a little bit. And so I, I started kind of all these kind of different things were kind of like noodling around in my head. And I thought, you know what? I really want to try to figure out a way to give back to the environment. So I went through and looked at a bunch of different, um, you know, reforestation programs and i settled on on this 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 one with one tree planted um where i decided that each watch that gets sold i'll donate five trees to get planted love it and i'll yeah i'll pick a place um each quarter i'll donate the money pick a place uh, somewhere in the world that will will donate that money to help plant some trees that's fantastic i i absolutely love it i think it's such a cool thing to be able to do Thank and be able to give back to yeah we do um at the end of the year at shipper hq one of the things that we do is we always take part of it and we do like a donation and mm, mm. when i was talking about going to asia I, we went two years ago for a bunch of magento conferences but we did uh we stopped in lao went to luan prabang oh wow and okay. our ceo karen one of her friends growing up runs an or- organization called free the bears which is all about rescuing moon bears and they rescue them from a moon uh, bear what yeah. is that it, 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 I could be incorrect. And it could be a sun bear. It's one of the two. Of, oops, it's one of the two of those. Huh. But it's a it's a small bear. I'll show you a photo of one of them. But people in traditional Asian medicine, medicine use their bones. They grind them up for medicine, or they like drain oh, their thyroid wow. glands. And so they go and they rescue these bears and they bring them to a sanctuary and like they have like these things where they either rehab them back to back to things, listen to the wild. Yep. Or they have, you know, mental defects from their thyroid gland being Mm. drained every day. Mm. And so they we they give them the thing. And so we did um we sponsored and that was the thing we did most recently was, you know, we gave some we don't call them cages, but we gave they're like habitat. Yeah, yeah. For them. And that was that was one of the cool things. And being able to go out there and like see like where the money was gonna go to was one of the coolest things. I was like, man, I want to give all of our money. I know. There, there's no, there is no greater feeling than giving back. Absolutely. It, it, you, you get a new watch, it feels good, oh, right? Yeah. It's fun, but there's no greater feeling than, than giving back. It, 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 it kind of adds and say, hey, you know, a few trees are going to go to this. It's going to help with the just, it's going to help in the justification <laughs> of um, the, the last thing I want to end on is I want to talk about like what's next for you. And you've kind of hinted at this and I emailed you about something like a month ago. So yeah, like, what, yeah. what are you, what are you cooking up? Well, so I've got an, a, a piece kind of in that design, you know, phase right now. And, and when we're done, I'll show you. Love it. Uh, yeah. Some of the images of it, but it's going to be, I don't want to ruin it for you. It's not going to be a day date. Not yet. Okay. Okay. That's fair. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all by the, the next one and I'll, on I'll just list. wait. I'll wait. It's on the list. But I mean, it, it's going to be a, a little bit of a smaller piece. Okay. Um, again, I'm trying to build kind of a catalog of, of pieces that span a, a broad group of people. And I get a lot of, and, and, and one of the great things about being a micro brand is that I take feedback. I, in fact, love feedback. I want feedback. It helps me really identify with what people are looking for. And while I can't be all things to all people, I'm trying to, again, build that catalog out to kind of align to what, you know, the audience is looking for. And I've had just a tremendous amount of feedback that we'd like to see a smaller piece. Do you have a smaller, a smaller model coming? Smaller, smaller, smaller. And so I am, I'm, I'm coming up with a, uh, a design and it's a smaller piece. You think like 34 millimeters? Uh, not or? that small, 39. Okay. 39. So yeah, okay. still within kind of that sweet spot of 40 to 42. And that's kind of where most at least in my mind, most attractive watches live in that. This is, this is the biggest one I own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 42. And, yeah. Yeah. It's 42. Yeah. I, well, I had a, I had a 47 millimeter Shinola with the moon phase. 
Ooh, that's a clock. It was huge. <laughs> it was. It, I remember buying it because I got a really good deal on it, and then I wore it, and then I was like, I can't wear this. Yeah, I'm like I, it's a dinner plate. It's like a it's a tea saucer on yeah. my wrist. That, that, and again, everybody's got their own. Yeah, but but I just don't. Have a, if I had a wider wrist, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, oh hell yeah, but now yeah. I don't have a wide enough wrist. <laughs> yeah, I got small wrists. Yeah, so forty two is about as big as I can go. Well, so that's pretty exciting. And yeah. When are you do you have like a twenty twenty one or anything like that? Nothing. It depends on what mood strikes me and when. There you go. <laughs> It's. It, I don't have anything kind of road mapped out like mm-hmm. that. I would anticipate probably in the September October time frame is when this piece will be coming out. Love it. And what do you see as kind of the the next step for you guys in e commerce as a as a D two C brand? I I think that we just need to continue kind of expanding some of those channels that we get discovered on. Right. So. So That's such a good answer. You're not like I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go. I'm going to get a TikTok. No, I love it. No. I want to. I want to continue just figuring, you know, kind of fine tuning, if you will, the way in which people, you know, learn about us. And so I think that there will be, you know, we're, we're focusing a lot more right now, actually, when I say we, I mean, I've got a, a guy that I work with who a social media, you know, marketer. Mm -hmm. And so he, he actually has some great ideas and strategies around how we can leverage, you know, our existing channels, uh, you know, already in a much more organic way. And so we're going to, we're going to do a lot more organic type and for, uh, you know, kind of playing in the organic space within Instagram and Facebook and so forth more so than advertising. We'll still do advertising, but it'll come. I think people are uh, honestly, they're, they're kind of tired of advertising. You have to advertise. I get it. I mean, I personally don't like seeing ads and I have to believe I'm representative of what most people. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain point where you, you scroll through and you see more sponsored than not sponsored. And you're like, eh, it's kind of, it's kind of different. I know where you're going. Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm going to see something else. I That's mean, right. if we're going to get targeted ads because we've been talking about fo- watches and we have our phones are in our pockets. I know. Come you can guarantee it. Guarantee it. Uh, last thing. This is one of the most prolific quotes I've read in a long time. History remembers those who are a little bit different. Okay. Yeah. Where did that come from? So uh, again, part of, um, you know, I think everybody has their own, you know, unique style and and character Mm -hmm. and I'm not Rolex. Dufresne is not Rolex. Dufresne is not Adamar Piguet. Dufresne is not these big, huge brands that have all of this, you know, heritage and, and funds to make it feel like you're James Bond when you put on a Submariner. But what I do have is something that is a little bit different than what I think you see a lot in, in, in a brands. I, I don't want to copycat any existing kind of design. I want to make it its own unique little thing. Austin, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a play on Austin. Keep Austin weird, yep. right? And so I think it's just important that there are a lot of people in this world and, and history, you know, remembers those ones that are just a little bit different, a little unique. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here. Where can people, because people are going to, we've been talking about watches for 40 minutes. Where can people find your stuff? How can they find you? You bet. You bet. Dufresne, D-U-F-R-A-N-E, watches. Dufresnewatches.com. Love it. And I'm going to be plugging this like crazy. Great. The thing too, and the thing I love the most about it is I love talking about our customers because, you know, there's things, I love brands that you believe in and you get like get behind and it's a brand that's so easy to get behind and so easy because it just, just oozes Austin. Yeah, thank and you. As thank Austin you. companies, can't get any better. No, that's that's great to hear. I'm humbled. I mean, I tried to to build something, and it, you're you're telling me exactly what I wanted to build. Love so that's it. Great. Thanks so great. much, man.